Um, the Bible reading this morning is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. It'll be up on the screen here. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay, to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marvelled at amongst all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfil every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to call Andrew up to bring us the message. I'm on here, I'm on. I am so on. It's good to be back. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Andrew and um, I get to pastor here and um, we just got back from holidays this week and it's really good to be back home again. Um, obviously our nation has seen quite some devastation in so many different places and um, even though WA wasn't in the news as much, um, we were also stuck in WA because the roads were closed. Um, but we're home and safe and God is good and um, thank you for your prayers. Um, I just had a bit of a, a giggle when um, Philippa did the announcements and said that um, you know, the only qualification for being on the media team or the sound is that you stay awake during the service. I am uniquely able to inform the music ministry team who that is that is uh, qualified and not qualified standing up here. So I'm watching, you know. But no falling asleep on purpose because you don't want to do it. Okay, so um, um, yes, today we're going to be talking about um, resolutions and I'm not sure whether it's the obligatory uh, service, but we are going to talk about that. And I think that resolutions are something that, um, you know, it's more about, I really want to talk more about resolve what, what do we resolve to do and be as people? But I guess this is a, a bit of a good time to talk about at the start of the new year. You know, and, and Scott asked the kids, but I just want to ask you, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Anyone? We don't do that anymore? 
Even on the inside and you didn't tell anybody like me, I make heaps of resolutions, I just don't tell anyone. So no accountability. And if they were, what sort of resolutions would you make? Because we do actually make resolutions. We do actually resolve to do things. And no matter how much you might sort of say, look, we don't go into that kind of making New Year's resolutions, the end of the year does something to us where you kind of think, well, how did I do and what would I like to do differently? That's resolve. That's a resolution. And more of you do that than willing to admit. What were your resolutions like or what sort of things? Do you want to get fitter this year? Who wants to get fitter this year? See? Resolutions. Resolutions happening there. Who wants to lose weight? All right, maybe you don't have to stick your hand up for that. But yeah, I mean, yep, resolutions. Who wants to get a job? There you go. Get a job. Who would like to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Yeah, look at that. Or a husband or a wife. The first leads to the second if you do it well. That's the resolution. Who would like to make more money? All those young people, look at their hands come up. You want to make more money. I thought you wanted more iPad time. I, I do as well. You want both. Okay. Okay. Who wants to relax more this year? There you go. See? Who wants to make more friends? Yep. You know, I rest my case. I said, who makes resolutions? And no one put their hand up. My hands are going up everywhere. Oh, we like these ones. Who wants to read the Bible more? Oh, not as many hands as making money. Who wants to pray more? I actually do. I want to learn to pray some more. Who wants to get to church more regularly and to serve more? Oh, maybe that's a little bit. We like that one, but maybe that's... You know, we do make resolutions. Or is it like me, the top right one? Who wants to be like me, the top right? Be more awesome than I was last year. I'm not sure that's possible, but we're going to work on it. You know, like I said, I make plenty, but I don't tell people. Are they still valid if you don't tell people? Mm, probably inside your head there. You can be accountable to yourself. It's almost three weeks into the new year, and I was reading something last week that statistically three weeks is the point where most people have failed at 83% of their resolutions already, or flagged, or actually given up. So I hope all those hands I saw that we continue on past three weeks. But John Piper was once asked, should Christians make New Year's resolutions? Um, what do you think? Should Christians make New Year's resolutions? What do you reckon? Yes. Yeah? He said yes. There were some people that felt like he shouldn't. He answered yes. He said, but, he added, it shouldn't just be New Year's. It should be always. We should always be resolving and making resolutions, resolutions to many things. And here's where it might be worthy for us, it might be, there might be a lesson for us today in this, and a few clues in our text. You see, because most of our resolutions, and most of those that I even read out, and, and I probably missed a stack that you might have already, that you might be thinking about, but most of our resolutions are about us. They take our strength. Resolve, we call that. They take our tenacity. They take our persistence to work. If you want to lose weight, you want to get fitter, you've got to get up early every morning. You've got to do that running. You've got to not eat the things that you really want to eat and, and that sort of stuff. They're usually to make us look good or better or they're to make us feel good or better or, or do good or better. 
um, or be good or better or more or better. They, they're about us, aren't they? They're, they're things that we want to do about us. So we might resolve to do things or we might resolve to achieve things, but often we fail. How's that percentage? 83%. Why is that? What are or, or what, what should resolutions be about for us as Christians? What should motivate them? What are the things that should, what should be the catalyst for resolutions or for things that we resolve to do? What should motivate us as followers and ambassadors of Jesus and as followers of the way? And there's a hint in our text. In a text, Paul is speaking to the Thessalonian church. A quick bit of background for 2 Thessalonians. This is his second letter that he wrote to them. It was written in about AD 50 somewhere. He wrote it out of Corinth. And it was just a quick response. It's only three chapters to a church that was doing well and they're growing well. And you see that in the first chapter and because they actually even boast about them to other people. But there was this um, teaching coming into the church that said that, that the man of God had already come. Well, if the man of God's already come, if, if it's already happened, then we can just sit back and relax. We don't need to do anything anymore. What's the point of witnessing, right, if the man of God's already come? And so they were getting kind of lazy. But humans are funny things. You know, we're getting lazy and we're not witnessing anymore. But they started getting lazy. If you read in chapter 3, they started getting lazy in all sorts of areas. It's like when we get lazy as humans, it sort of flows into other areas of our life. The Christians, the church people, were poorer and they started smooching off the rich people and not getting jobs and hoping to get. And so he actually says really clearly, get a job, work, do something, you know. So he's speaking to a church that kind of got a little bit sidetracked by some false teaching um, and a little bit lost in understanding, you know, how they're supposed to resolve and how they're supposed to continue on to be who God called them to be. And he starts off really positively. They're doing good. They're growing in faith, in love and service. And despite the persecution and affliction that we see in the middle of our reading, in fact, he says he boasts about them. But he's concerned what he's hearing, that they're giving up. The day of the Lord has come and they've kind of just not quite living what a worthy follower of Christ should look like or behave like and not really reflecting the calling of God and the language he uses in verse 11 and 12. We'll look at that in a minute. Worthy of his calling. They weren't quite doing that. And he wants them to stay motivated. He wants them to stay inspired and ready to be what they're called to be as opposed to just blending in with society values and practices, sort of saying, well, it's not necessary anymore, this old God stuff or this, this urgency. Um, he wants them to stay motivated, stay inspired, and make decisions about their life that go towards kingdom inspiration. And so let's have a look at verse 11 and 12. I've got it up on a slide there. And it, and it says this, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we see here, just in these couple of verses, because this is kind of like the, the, where I want to focus. What do we see regarding resolve, regarding making decisions and resolutions? I think there's a few things. In order to resolve to live a life worthy of the calling, there's a few things. First thing, it's a spiritual battle. Second, it's a work of God. He fulfills resolve for good and he makes us worthy. Third, it's our work of faith by his power. Let me say that again and we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. It's our work of faith by his power only. Fourth, it's for his glory 
And the last one is his grace that we can even do it. So I want to really quickly look at those couple of things, those few things. First one is it's spiritual battle. How do we know that it's a spiritual battle? Because he begins like, we always pray. That's how we know that. We always pray. And so there's a sense where Paul always, with the churches that he's had to do with and he's planted, there's a sense that he's always battling in the spiritual realm for them. And so he's saying to them, we always pray. And so resolving is a spiritual battle. Resolving to change, to grow, and to live a worthy life, worthy of a kingdom call, which actually, by the way, we all have a kingdom call, right? We all have things that we want to do in life, but we all have a kingdom call. If we understand that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, we know that we have a kingdom call. So resolving to change, to grow, and to live that worthy life, and to live out a worthy response to salvation, it's a spiritual battle. Do you pray about your resolutions, the things that you want to do for the year or the things that you want to change? Do you pray about it? Do you see them as something that needs to be fought for and won in prayer? Kind of weird language, isn't it? I want to get a girlfriend. Do I need to fight for that and, and in, in prayer? Well, maybe, yeah. Do we, do we see that prayer is something about, is, is important there? Do you pray about what God might want you to do or to be even this year? Do you pray with somebody? Is there some sort of, do you, do you pray with somebody and say, you know what, um, I, I would love to grow in this area this year and, and I want to pray with you and, and then you can get to ask me later on how I'm doing or pray with me again. Do you press into God? You know, we, when we pray for things, we often, um, we want to hear God, we want to see, you know, we want to hear what God wants and we press in and we pray to God and we ask God for the what. But do you keep pressing in for the when and do you keep on engaging with God in that, in that process? It's a spiritual battle. And that brings us to the next point, with the second one where I said it's, it's a work of God, isn't it? He fulfills resolve. That's what Paul says. It's he that makes us worthy. And those, those lines in those, te- in those verses, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. Who fulfills the resolve? God does. That we, that's why we start with prayer and we press in for God to make us worthy and to fulfill the resolve for good. That's why we need to realize it's a spiritual battle. I can't do it. I'm not worthy in myself of his calling, but he makes me worthy. And we, well, I, need a work of God in my life to fulfill my resolutions. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't make my resolutions good, but God can. Let me say that again because that's really important. It's a, it's, 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 it's a... It's a surrender thing that we really need to... I can't make my resolutions good things, kingdom-wise, but God can. He can work in me and you to shape our lives so that our resolutions are for good, for kingdom good, for eternity good. You know, you might think, well, I just want to... You know, my resolutions where I just want to get fitter and lose weight and, or make more money or get a girlfriend or get a job. But, and those are not bad resolutions, but how could you make sure that those things, the things that you want to do, in it, how can you make sure that they become kingdom good resolutions? Things that actually build into the kingdom. Things that actually build into eternity, yours, and perhaps the eternity of other people. You can't do that on your own. God does that. He fulfills the resolve in your life. And here's where the next point Paul makes is really important. 
He says, it's our work, but by his power. Every work of faith by his power. I have to do something. I have to decide something. You have to do something. You have to decide something. He uses the word every work. That's habits. It's tasks, things you've got to do. It's changes you need to make. It's when you step up and out in new things. Maybe, you know, when Philippa made that announcement about media or the sound, you thought, mm, maybe I should do that, but no, I won't. But maybe you should. It's starting something. It's maybe continuing something. It's work. It's do something. Paul doesn't shy away from that. He doesn't just make it a, a big spiritual thing where you just sit back and let God zap you with his magic wand. And He's saying it's a work of God, that our God it's, it's our work, but by his power. Every work of faith by his power. It's not being lazy. In order to do that, we step up and out in faith. We exercise faith in resolving to make changes to grow. But here's where it's great. And it's really interesting, and I can't, I won't express this right, and I often get it right in my head. And I understand that we need to do work, but it's by His power, and we need to exercise faith. But here's where it's great because whose power is it that drives our faith? Even that comes from God. Even the, the power to have faith, to have the power to, you get what I'm saying, it's, that's even from God. How great is that? He even works his power in us to have faith to get on with it. The, 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 you know, the big spiritual goals you have, but even just the practical things in your life. So we've got to do something, but we've got to do something. We've got to do something. Resolving is action, but God work, works faith in us to move. Paul probably makes what I would say is his most important, important point next. It's for his glory so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. You know, I have to confess that, you know, when I set goals, and I don't just do them at New Year, when I want to do this or want to achieve this, you know, last year, at the end of the year, or the last couple of months of the year, I resolved to, to lose a bit of weight and, and to continue with my fitness and that sort of stuff. It was about me, and I'm not sure that I was consciously thinking of how I could bring glory to God by that. And I don't know whether we always do that, whether we want to get a job or whether we want to um, you know, increase our, our effectiveness of our business or do better in, that, in, in whatever we're doing at school. Or I'm not sure that we always are conscious about the fact that it's for his glory. But Paul points to that, he says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. You know, and, and if I had a resolution this year, this might be it that maybe I would become more conscious of that and maybe I would be more, have more recognition of the fact that what I do has the capacity to and needs to bring glory to God. And maybe that's a good lesson for all of us in our resolutions. I said earlier when I spoke about my and our usual resolutions that mostly they're about us. And maybe that's a bit harsh, but it is true, isn't it? We're selfish by nature. Our default mode is independence, success. And it's usually limited, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, it's usually limited to, to this life because we, we want to make this life work, don't we? 
Our default mode is independence, comfort, security, fulfilment in our own strength and in the here and now. It is about us, isn't it? Paul says that our resolve to be worthy followers for every good and every work is so that Jesus might be glorified. That is, our efforts, our changes, that the things that we do, that our lives would actually point us, not just others, but point us to God, but also point others to him. That our resolutions would make God look good and make the kingdom look good. Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of a little bit in my face this week when I was preparing that the things that I want to do, are they to make God look good and the kingdom look good? That's what Paul's saying. That we and and that others would say, wow, how good is God? Look at what he's doing and has done and can do. He's worthy of our praise and worship. And it's worth it to stop and marvel at him. It's worth it to gather and worship. It's worth it to get together and to praise God because we notice what he's doing because he's getting the glory. And if that all sounds too corny, that's bad luck because that really is what our calling is, to bring glory to God. We love salvation. We love it when we preach on that. I like it. We, you know, when we did that, uh, this, where Paul talks about it, and we did a few ser- sermon series in the last year. Last year, and we love salvation. We love the good news. We love that we're in in Him. We we like all that sort of stuff. We love the the fact that 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 Jesus died for us, that He's working for us, and that that our salvation has been taken care of. But in uh, Our hearts, our hearts are interested in us. And the other part of the story of God, the part where being worthy and living a worthy life is sacrificial, um, maybe we don't focus on that so much. We just love the... um, And so it's kind of like, and Paul's talking to, and it's interesting how Paul encourages them and says, you're growing it and you love all that. You love that salvation has come and you're in him. But you've got to do something. You've got to keep living a life that's worthy of that calling. Paul says that the offer and the call and the opportunity to resolve to live a worthy life is an act of God's grace. We actually get to live for others rather than ourselves. We are allowed to live. for. It's almost a privilege to live for others instead of ourselves, according to Paul. And then Paul goes on and the, the next, through his grace, it's through his grace that we can do it. Where he says these words, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. This is all accomplished by God's grace and not by our hard work. You can do it. You can bring glory to God. We can bring glory to God. Not by our hard work, but by Jesus' finished work. And that's where we've got to land. Not by our hard work, but by Jesus' finished work. We are in him. We are able to reflect God. We are able to walk as worthy followers because we're in him. In our own power and left to our own devices, we're not good enough and we never will be. But Jesus is good enough and we're in him. That's the essence of salvation. Now that drives, when I think of that, that drives resolve. That, that motivates me to resolve or to make resolutions to, to live for him. That generates a passion that, to make resolutions that change not only me or not only us, and it doesn't just improve my life or it doesn't just improve us, but it changes the world and improves the lives of others. 
for his glory. And it does take decisions. It does take resolutions. You do have to do something, but it can be done. It has content. And I was wondering where do we see um, where someone is resolved in the Bible to do things? Where, where is, where is, and I've just got a couple of scriptures here to have a look. Here's a couple of examples of resolve from the Bible. Um, Peter talks about the resolve to serve in, um, in 1 Peter 4 where he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. So he's talking about have the resolve to serve. To serve so that God would get glory. If you've got a gift, use it. Don't sit and wait for someone to ask you to use it. Resolve to say, you know, I have this gift. I am going to find a context either in my family, in my school, in my, in my church, or I'm going to find a way to use it in such a way that, that God would be glorified because he gave me that gift. And then Paul talks about in Corinthians, he talks about hard work by grace. He says, but by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me wasn't in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it wasn't I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul resolved to work hard because that's what God was wanting to do in his life. And again, Paul again in Philippians, he talks about obedience, that God works it in us. Resolving to be obedient. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I used to think, I'm just going to stop there, I used to think that that meant that I had to work out about my salvation. Anyone ever thought that? What does it mean to work out your salvation? You know, is that like a mathematical sum to work out? How did salvation work? Oh, is that what it means? Yes, no, maybe not. I'm asleep now, so I don't want to do the media. Working out our salvation is realizing that we have it and we're saved and living it out, giving it expression in the world around us. Working out your salvation is not working out how you got there. Working out is making it work for you. It's like when you, those of you that, that know about investing money, when you have $1,000, if you make the $1,000 you know, work, you make it work for you so that it grows. So you make salvation work for you. Work out your salvation. That's what Paul's talking about. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So all this should just give us a clue as to why our resolutions can sometimes not be so successful or lack a bit of depth. Maybe we have the how, the what, and the who just a little bit skewed. So what does this passage teach us? And I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, we're not able to change ourselves. It's a spiritual battle. And it's his power that gives us faith and enables us. Secondly, we don't even know what we want or need, quite frankly, a lot of time. Our interests always change. Do you find that there's things, all of a sudden this year you're interested in different stuff or you, you know, you have, our interests are always changing. We don't know what we want or need, but God does. God's calling is for us to glorify him, to love making him great, and to be people that point to him and live for him. 
And they're really good guidelines if you're making resolutions or making decisions. And the third thing is we can have unhealthy and unrealistic interest, perhaps even an obsession, in earthly futures. We're less concerned with eternity in heaven than we are for here and now. For ourselves, than we are for ourselves. We're more concerned for ourselves than we are for others. You know, and when there's little power needed for that, little power of God needed there, and that's not the response of grace that God requires. You know, sometimes we, and I said that a little bit earlier, sometimes our life is, is kind of pretty limited. We're trying to make it work here on earth. We don't have this concept of eternity. Ours and others, our resolutions and our resolve and our decisions and our wanting to be better have so much more to do with our life here and now. Feathering our nest, making it easier, making it more successful, whatever it is. And sometimes we have an unhealthy, unrealistic interest in earthly future. So what do we need to do? Well, make resolutions for sure. But align our lives with God's word for his glory. I think I've got them up there for you. Make resolutions, but then align your life with God's word for his glory. Have a biblical, healthy understanding of our future. And that's eternal versus earthly. What's the value of that? How do I place value on those things? Seek counsel and accountability. There it is. We always get something in there about life groups and uh, grow groups. Seek counsel and ability. Talk to somebody. How, do I, how can I grow? How can I become better at who I am as a person? How can I become greater in my calling for God? And pray about your resolutions. Have someone pray with you about them. So should you resolve? Back to Piper's questions. Do resolve. Make resolutions. Make resolutions to make God great. Glorify him in your choices, your actions, your witness, your lifestyle. Do it by faith, so it's a work of faith. God will work it out by his power and he will fulfill your resolve for his glory. You know, and the thing is, when we are focused on God's glory, when you're focused on making changes in your life or growing or, or improving or whatever it is, when you're focused on doing those things for his glory, for the kingdom, and you look in your slipstream and you look in your wake, you'll see that the things that you desire for yourself are there as well. God doesn't have a short hand or short arm. He knows how to bless us. He knows how to make sure our lives are successful. Focusing on God doesn't mean that you end up not getting anything out of it yourself. In fact, the opposite's true. God will, your life will change as well. Let's pray. God, we... Um, we're thankful for reminders in your word. We're thankful for um, examples of people just like us that, that um, uh, are either uh, are wanting to grow or needing to grow or challenged to grow. Um, Lord, we're just thankful for yeah, Lord, the opportunities we have in your word to learn more. Lord, we, we want to be people that resolve. We want to be people that make decisions. We want to be people that change and grow. We want to be people that do things differently this year or this month or in this uh, decade than we did last decade, but be for your glory, to grow in your glory, to be people that reflect you in even greater measure. Lord, we, um, 
Yeah, Lord, we pray that you would work that um, in us, Lord, the way that Paul says, Lord, that you would work your power in us, that you give us the faith to become people that um, live out your calling, that become worthy, that people that point to you, that people um, be people that, yeah, when other people see us, that they see that you're working in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would do that in us. Lord, I pray for each of us this year as we look ahead and, and as we look at what we, um, what we might want to do, what we might want to be uh, as a church, but even, Lord, um, personally and in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would be the power and the catalyst for the things in our life in Jesus' name. We um, are going into... Oh, we, I saw the guys wander up and then they wandered back again. Jesus had resolve didn't he? You know, there's scriptures where it talks about he set his face like, what is that, flint, which is that hardest stone? Jesus had resolve. If there was anyone who was resolute, that was him. He was resolute. He came to earth, resolving to bring glory to his Father and salvation to us because we couldn't. As I said before, we're not good enough and we never will be. But Jesus is good enough and we're in him. That's the essence of salvation. And we can only rest in him and then resolve to live in and through his power by faith. And it's a gift of grace that we celebrate. You know, we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper and I, you know, oftentimes I, I wonder, you know, I, I remember as a kid watching Lord's Supper happen and I think in the church that I went to as a kid, they had a table up the front. Some of you might remember that and you'd all go up and sit around the table and, and have Lord's Supper. And I used to, and as a kid, that was always the longest service. Anyone remember that? And so it used to come around way faster than I hoped as a kid. You know, here comes Lord's Supper service again. You know, there's going to be more stuff. Um, and I, look, I confess that even... Even these days, I, I really need to pray and make an effort to see celebrating Lord's Supper as more than just another thing that we do monthly or a thing that we do because it's part of the church calendar. If you didn't do it, you'd probably get a phone call in the office. And it is so much greater than that. When you understand salvation, when you understand the resolve or the decision-making that it took for Jesus, the obedience it took for Jesus to leave his Father in heaven, to leave everything that was perfect, that was good, that was harmonious and come down, live with us, live an example, life of example to us, the biggest example being sacrificing his life. How can I not resolve that my life would give, bring glory to him? He's not asking me to crawl on a cross. He's just asking me to live my life in such a way that I would bring glory to him. Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, is a great reminder of that resolve that Jesus had. It's a great reminder of the way that, that Jesus just came, that just made the decision in obedience to come so that we could come. He came so that you could come today. It's a gift of grace. I couldn't have done anything to make him do it. I couldn't have paid him to do it. I couldn't have talked him into it. I wouldn't have had a good reason. In fact, Everything in my life was a good reason for him not to come and do it, right? And perhaps your life as well. What a gift of grace that we celebrate as we remember and believe and rejoice in what Jesus did to make us worthy. Because now I'm worthy of his calling. Now 
I'm worthy to go out there and, make, and give him glory. Now I can because in him I'm perfect and I, and I am who he called me to be. So I can step out in confidence. Now you're worthy of his calling to be his instrument in the world, to be his instrument in the place you find yourself, whether you're working in an office or a cafe or a workshop floor or you're in a school. You reflect on that as individuals but also as a community and that's why we celebrate this as a community. Because not only am I worthy and I know that, you're worthy and I need to know that. We need to know that about each other. That Jesus' body was broken, his blood was shed to make us all worthy and now together we remember and believe that great gift of grace that Jesus' resolve gave us. Isn't that wonderful news? really is when you ponder on it. I know that there's so much other stuff happening in our lives, but take a moment. Just remember what it must have been like for Jesus to do that. How much he must have loved me, and, and I have to personalize it, and you have to as well. How much he must have wanted to do that. I can't think of any of you that I love enough to do that. I'm sorry. I'd hope to feel, you know. But how much must Jesus have loved us to do that? That takes resolve. And in an ironic way, that glorified me. That turned me into someone, you know, a brother of him. So we celebrate. Please remember that. You know, and Jesus wanted the disciples to remember that. And he, he gave them the example of how to do it. And um, as they were having supper together, he wanted to give them instructions. It was terribly practical. And, and, and we do that because it's really important for us to understand that. They gathered together and he, you know... They had no concept of what was about to happen, but he did, he knew. And he said, you know, when you get together, after, you know, after the time's gone, when you get together, he broke the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he gave thanks and he said, you know, this is my body that is broken for you. wasn't yet, but it, it, well, it, in fact it already happened in the heavenlies, is broken for you. Do this. You have no idea, but do this in remembrance of me. Remember that my body was broken and I sometimes wonder about the stunned looks they must have given you and thought, huh? What does that look like? But it was going to matter in just a matter of days, and we understand it. And in the same way, he took the cup and he poured the cup and he said, you know, this is my blood poured out for you as a sin offering. Do this in remembrance of me when you gather together. That's why we do this. You know, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if um, you know that... His resolve made you worthy to live his calling and made you able now to bring glory to him. With every big and little decision you make, then come and celebrate supper with us. So I'm just going to ask our leaders to come forward and I'd like you to come and grab the elements or take the elements, come back to your seat and we will um, celebrate this together.